Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to My Time. My name is Terry Toop, and today's show is entitled Help Me Think. The reason why I gave that title to this program today is we're going to talk about computer processes, uh, the creation of pro computer processes, and how they work, and you know, the intricacies that are involved in it. So we're going to start basically from the be um, beginning. Uh, processes were used in early, early computers, from you know, small to the you know, small processes to what we have now, the i3, 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 i5, i7s, then we got the newest ones. We're going to get into that also, also too. And we're going to talk about also uh, processor companies, Intel's, AMD's, and what's needed to keep those processes running strong, okay? And we're gonna talk about also, today's the final game for Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski. After 42 years, he is leaving Duke University. I'm not a big fan of Duke, but they've had some good ball players. They won five titles as him as coach, and we'll get into that also. And personally, I think you're gonna get a number one seed. Orange and start two from basically today. Alright, so let's get started. And hope everyone's doing okay. Nice sunny day here in Maryland. Supposed to get up to about 65 degrees and tomorrow in the 80s. So let's get started. Alright. Alright, let's get started. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everyone's doing good. It's 12. Oh, two on a Saturday afternoon. I'm starting a little hour early um, because I have an installation that's going to be done in my house today. So I figured let's let's see if we can get this started a little early. And uh, so let's talk about this thing. These processes that are installed in all of our computers. We have my current laptop that I have right here. I have an i5 processor. Very good. Intel. Uh, I have used the AMDs that are uh, installed on some computers. Uh, I had a friend of mine had an older, it was back in the day, it was a K6 processor by AMD. And let me tell you, the graphics on there were, if not as good as the Intel processors. So that's really something, that's about 20 years ago. Shh, don't tell anybody that, okay? But those processors are really good. And then all of a sudden, Intel has taken the charge in leading the way in processors uh today and but yet amd is coming up so we're going to get into all that all right so let's get started so processors they go back some years okay in our computers they weren't as fast as what we have today but so let's start from the beginning so how computers and these processors go hand in hand with one another so here's here's this little history uh 1946 uh, it was one of our first computers. Uh, it was uh, called ENIAC. And this was done at the University of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy League school. And the name of that ENIAC, it was called an Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer Processor. That was what it was, okay? Okay, that program feature is basically used today in our, in our processors, okay? It was introduced by two gentlemen, uh, Mr. Alan Turing and John Van Newman. And so basically, Mr. Newman's idea was what we have today. 
it was a, uh, the basis for the modern computers. Okay. And then later on down the line, we had some other people that were involved. Uh, Mr. Federico Fagan, uh, Mr. Ted Hoff of Intel. We're going to get into that. And Masu, Masatoshi Shima of Busacom. And this was a better processor that was uh, introduced to us in 1970, 1971. Then we're going to talk about, let's talk about this for a minute here. We're going to talk about Intel. You know, the Intel processor, we have them on all of our computers. I don't care if you have a, uh, a you know, uh, Celeron, you're running an i5, i7, i9 pro uh, processor. You're going to see that Intel logo on your computer, right? You can't miss it, all right? So Intel, okay, in the beginnings, they were founded in 1968 by Mr. Robert Noyce and Gordon Moore. Um... They were, of course, they were in Silicon Valley and, you know, started from the beginning. They were financed by Mr. Arthur Rock, um, who was the true uh, venture capitalist, okay? And these guys uh, were one of the forefathers in inventing, uh, um, messing around with the DRAM for computers, integrated circuits, and these guys were with Fairchild Semiconductor, all right? And so they kept working and working and working and working. And then they come up with a company called Intel, right? And, you know, like I was talking about Mr. Noyce and uh, Mr. Moore, and they recruited a young guy. He was a Hungarian-born businessman by the name of Andrew Grove. Mr. Grove was at Intel for a very, very long time. Um, and who's the chief executive chairman of three decades. That's what I'm saying. He was there for a long time at Intel. All right. And like I said, Intel was like the forefront in doing the processes. So let's go back to what we're on before that some of the processes uh, consisted of 2300 transistors with a PMOS. Very early technology. All right. Um, they were clocked. That's the speed that they had on some of these computers. Very not that it's very slow compared to what we have there. The design clock speed was one megahertz, while only seven hundred fifty kilohertz was achieved. So this is back in the seventies. So don't forget now, technology has been grasped until we'll say like the late eighties, early nineties. All right. And some you know like later on in the seventies. Uh, some of the chips, circuit boards that they had on there, I mean, not so much circuit boards, but the processors they had was the MITS Altair 8800 and MSA uh, um, 88 processor, right? Um, came about, Space Invaders came about from there, all right? So, you know, Mr. Grove and these engineers who are at these uh, companies, you know, Intel and working that fair, uh, Fairchild, they came up with these processes. Um, they use a microcontroller working on plus five uh, volts, okay? Um, still working on Mr. Newman uh, architecture of use. It was built with 6,500 6, transistors and using MR technology. 
And it also consists of 256 instructions, which I think is kind of, once again, this is back in the day, people. So we have to realize how important that was. And also with Intel, Intel was uh, also into the memory chips, uh, the first metal oxide semiconductor. Didn't sell well for that company at the time. Um, but the later on, they developed 1103, uh, a one kilobit dynamic DRAM, as we all have in our computers. And it was a successful chip to store a significant amount of information. So it goes to show you that sometimes at first you don't succeed, you try, try again. Keep working at it, keep working at it. And they realized that, hey, DRAMs are cheaper, use less power. And, you know, they became the standard, which we have today, you know. And so, like I was talking earlier about Mr. Fagan and, and also John by Mr. Mazer and Ted Hoff. And then they came up with a 4-bit microcompressor, uh, the first single-chip microcompressor, okay. And they contract that to a company called Nippon Calculating Machine. Um, and Intel retained rights to that technology. So it goes to show you that they were copywriting everything they did. And, you know, they were phenomenal growing. And people don't understand that Intel, you know, like once again, as it started as a small company, but they flourished in so many ways. We're gonna talk about that also, all right? And, Let's talk about the processors, some of the Intel processors that they had, some of the Intel uh, 885 processors. And like I said, I, we talked about the instructionals they had in there. And then in 78, uh, design clock speed was at 10 megahertz. So you're seeing the speed is starting to get a little bit better. Uh, this architecture was consisted of Stephen Moss and Bruce Ravenel. And you have multiple people that was working on this technology. And Intel was, you know, they were their train. They were just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, kept working. Hey, we can do this better. And then, you know, and then Intel still continued to have a market, a chip market. And then the processes were coming out much faster. Okay. And then IBM decided in the 80s, hey, you know, remember IBM International Business Machines? They decided that, hey, we like uh, Intel processors. Let's install them in our computers. Um, it's one of the first processors. There was the 16-bit 8088 uh, CPU, and it was designed for personal computers. And there was a major demand for the processors that they had uh, for at that time in 81. And let me tell you, IBM used to have a giant, giant stranglehold um, of computing, of selling personal PCs and also regular, and even um, the big giant machines, the big uh, thinking servers they had back then. So they were, it was a major demand for them. You know, even they even had. Uh, Laptops, they were big as a brick, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then eventually they were, you know, IBM said, hey, man, we, we got something going here. And then all of a sudden there was this little company out of Redmond, Washington called Microsoft, and they were involved in this. Um, and they said, listen, we can write programs for you to make this machine think, 
even better, right? And then when they installed the Windows operating system in there, they installed Windows chips. And like I say, as the story goes, and it's basically, it's been a, a ride ever since then. And Intel has been, like I said, forefront of producing processes that are pretty good. And we'll talk about that also, how they've gone on to come on to be phenomenal, right? And then there's also the Spark uh, processors back in the day. That was in 88. That was through Sun Microsystem. And it was clocked at speed of 40 megahertz. So that's coming up now. It was made up of 1.8 transistors with 256 IO pins. All right. So Sun Microsystem, they were phenomenal. They were really big back in the day. Um, they were like always on Squawk Box, those financial shows, and hey, this is what we're going to do. And then suddenly they just disappeared. And I think um, Oracle bought the remaining shares of that company. And Oracle, you know, they are a database. All right. And and let's talk about this. And uh, the AMD came up with a process that striking resemblance to the Intel H0386 with uh, uh, 86 processors with a clock speed of 40 megahertz and 32-bit data buzz. Direct competition to Intel. All right. AMD is small. Can we get into them also? We'll talk about them. And then in the 90s, uh, the Pentiums, which is still owned by Intel, uh, started the launch of the P5 processor. It came in two models, a 510 pin, 60 megahertz, and a 567 pin version with a clock speed of 66 megahertz. So as you can see, as time goes on, the technology is getting better. The speeds are getting much faster. And you're not using so much of the battery, right? And then, like I said, in the 90s, things were getting better. Late 90s, the processes were coming out faster. The chipsets were coming out better, right? And, okay. And then in 97, the Pentium 2 had a vast range of processes to offer. The clock speed was increased gradually with every model launched to 450 megahertz. So you're going from 60 to 450. Unbelievable. Within a two-year period, that speed is crazy. Okay. And then in 1999, I can tell you this because I had an A-plus class. I did an A-plus class back in the day uh, in Manhattan because I really didn't know much about putting a computer together. So it was fun. You know, you had a motherboard, heat sink, the processor, where to put the memory, and any, or if you want to put a video card, sound card, if you wanted to spruce up your computer. This is back in the... 1999, 2000 era, right? And like I said, it says right, you know, well, we're just talking about that. In 1909, I had a removable sink combination that reduced the problem of heat dissipation. So what it was is that, say, for instance, oh, your heat sink got really, really hot on that motherboard. You had to make sure you had the correct motherboard. You could uh, go to the configurator and find out what kind of motherboard is compatible with that motherboard. So, you know, your, your machine didn't, didn't um, overheat. Right? So the Pentium 2 successor was launched on February 26, 
The advancement from the previous model was the addition of SSE instruction that accelerated the floating point calculations. So you're saying the speed is helping you now. Now your calculations are being worked faster, right? And like I said, speeds were just, at that time, uh, something that really, really needed to be done. Because like I said, people, you know, computers are being worked crazy. You know, you got your high powered, you got your compact um, computer back in the day and you had Dell was still out there and now you're running VLAN, you run on uh, LAN, WANs, you know what I mean? Wide area networks, local area networks, okay? You need that processor to think, you know what I mean? And you need also memory. We'll talk about that too, okay? Uh, let's see, in 2000, Pentium 4 came out. Intel's new single core processor family market was the Pentium 4 processor that achieved a clock speed of 1.3 gigahertz to 3.08 gigahertz. Now, speed's gone up dramatically. Dramatically, dramatically, the speeds are coming faster, right? So that's unbelievable. Right? And then in 2003, it had a Pentium the Pentium M, I recall having myself one of these. Uh, this processor was a mobile single core from Intel. It was designed with a clock speed, 2.26 gigahertz. There you go, right? And then here we go. 2006 was the Intel 2, Intel Core 2 brand, okay? 2006, July, 20, July 27, 2006, it was known as E6320. The speeds are now 3.5 gigahertz, all right? And you're talking speeds now. You, it's, the computing has, has totally gone crazy now. So the speeds are up there now. Okay. Um, processor capable of saving battery battery power by lowering the clock speed. You know, so before, uh, if you had a processor that was working really good, had the speeds, but the power on the battery was getting killed at the same time. So now you have a motherboard in a processor that saves battery life, but you're getting better speeds, right? And today, the latest microprocessor come a long way since launched from 4004. The chip size has reduced, the speeds has increased, and the caches have further increased. The latest processors have, that have achieved this are the Andy Bridge. Uh, this is a Intel micro architecture-based products launched in 2011. Right, it's cheap with a 32 nanometer die manufacturing. Okay, so what they've done here is they made the motherboard, they made the processor a little bit smaller but faster. Okay, the transistor count in this process reaches up to 2.27 billion. So and also, like we were talking earlier, the clock speed design at 3.6 gigahertz. Intel recalls 67 motherboards that had the Kluger point chipset due to some hardware issues. The series are now, you ready for this? Pentiums, speeds up to 3 gigahertz. Celerons, 3 gigahertz. The Pentium i3 processor, 2.5 gigahertz. i5, 3.4 gigahertz. i7, 3.3 gigahertz. I7 extreme. Now, the I7, I9s, I would recommend those for people that are also 
computer science engineers, uh, writing programs, writing scripts, uh, gamers, they would need something like that because you're pushing a lot of data, uh, graphics also. That's another thing too. These higher processes, your, your graphics are gonna come out much better. And also it wouldn't hurt to have a real nice graphics card in your computer if you're doing all these artists, especially artists, having a nice graphics card or you're, um, like I said, you're doing a lot of processing, numbers, Excel spreadsheets, that type of thing, right? So like I said, the process has gone, it's ridiculously crazy. And these gentlemen here at, at Intel, phenomenal. But let's get to this real quick, real quick before we finish up here. And like I said, I do have an i5 processor. I used to have an i3, too slow. Couldn't do anything. Freezing up, no good. I'm going to talk real quick. All right, we got a few more minutes here. Let's do this. We're going to talk about another uh, company. Oh, let's do this. Another processor that uh, Intel has also is called the Alder Lake. It is built on version of Intel's 10 nanosecond process, and it's referring to Intel 7. Uh, it includes the first hybrid CPU that uh, any 86 times manufacturer has ever shipped with a mixture of big and bigger cores. And then also back in the day, I know people, you hear stories like, what's a dual core processor? You know, dual core. Dual core is a CPU that has two distinct processes that work simultaneously in the same integrated circuit. This type of process can function as efficiently as a single process, but can perform operations up to twice as quickly. So what they're saying that we'll have dual processor, one doing one thing and another doing another. All right. So you can't beat that. But yet the new processes are much, much faster. And then you have another one called the Tiger Lake is Intel's code name for 11th generation. I have 10th generation processor on my computer, but this one's 11th generation. Um, this is an Intel uh, core mobile processor based on the new Rollo Cove Core microarchitecture manufactured using Intel's third generation nanosecond. Unbelievable. So we're gonna let's do this real quick. We're gonna talk about another another company that's been giving some problems to Intel lately. AMD. AMD, and let me tell you, this company is read been really been really really being really moving up uh advanced micro devices was founded by jerry sanders and seven his colleagues and again another group of guys from, from uh fairchild semiconductor uh, they were discovered in 69 and like i said they have been around they're the competition they are definitely competition with uh intel their processors are definitely on the move, okay? Their chief executive, as we speak right now, is Miss Lisa Sue, okay? Um, their processors are working. I was talking about this process. I know we have much time left, but we're still going to talk. Okay, the processor here that they had that I was talking about earlier is a uh, K62. I, I, I remember I mentioned that earlier, okay? It was essentially an extended version of a K6 that could use a faster 100 megahertz um, processor, higher clock speeds, and, and new SIMDs uh, instructions. And now they have what they call a 3D now. And 
unbelievable what they have done. But like I said, the AMD processes they have right now, they were back in the time. They're coming up now, okay? Like the K62, I'm going to tell you right now, it says it was an upgrade path from the aging, you know, Intel MMX processes. And they were very successful. Trust me, when you had those compact desktop computers with that processor, and let me tell you, the graphics on there, they didn't have much speed, but the graphics on there were superior. Superior. All right? And then we're going to talk, uh, let's talk about this real quick. Um, AMD has processors, uh, the uh, Ryzen 5, and then the Ryzen 7. We're going to talk about it real quick. So the AMD Ryzen 7 is the world's lowest power six core processor, okay? 12 thread desktop gaming processor. So what they're saying is that, okay, we're not as fast as Intel, but we have excellent graphics. We have good speed. You're playing these games that require, um, you know the deal, you're running uh, 30, maybe 32 megs, if not more, a memory on there. You're going to need that processor to compute the graphics that are coming through there. All right. And I know people, IBM, excuse me, I take it back. Lenovo is now pushing the high end um, AMD Ryzen 7 in their uh, notebooks, the ThinkPads. And that goes to show you that, hey, Intel, you're great, but guess what? We have somebody else that's just as good. And in some aspects, if not better, right? So, like I said, they're not going to be, but they're right behind them. So I'm going to talk about the AMD 7, the Ryzen 7. This Ryzen 7 is much faster than the i3. Let's get that straight from the door, okay? The Ryzen 7, 3800X beats the core i9, 9900K by 4.9% in multi-core workloads. The... Like I said, even though, okay, multi-loads. So you're doing multiple, multiple, multiple situations, okay? Uh, it's combined with DDR4-2666 memory. And like I said, AMD, don't be shy because uh, they are phenomenal. They are real. They're, they're coming. They're coming. I have, like I said, I've used, uh, can't, kind of say owned, a AMD K62. I'm telling you that K62 processor was an excellent, excellent, excellent machine. And like I said, the AMD 5 Ryzen and AMD 7. If I were to buy another computer, which I'm going to probably have to do in the future, I'm going to get one with the AMD 7 Ryzen chip because number one, the speeds and graphics on there are just as good as the um, the i7 processors on Intel. And they're, they finally got competition. And, you know, that's what we need nowadays. We don't need to have one dominant person and, you know, trying to control everything. And I just want to say thank you real quick to Patrick. And, and I really appreciate listeners. If you know anybody out there that needs advertising for the company, I'm more than welcome to do that for you, for them. You know, I'm here every Saturday, and I'm also doing a big uh, NCAA uh, show two weeks from today, and we'll start that early. 
because I know everybody want to want everybody wants to watch the games. So let's talk about um the upcoming NCAA ACC tournament next week, and then and all the other conference tournaments are going to real quick. Uh, I did mention at the beginning of the show that Duke's coach Mike Shusevsky is leaving Duke. Uh, today's his last home game at Duke, and tickets were selling for five thousand dollars, five thousand dollars for the game. They're gonna get the, they're gonna get the people there, so it's not a problem. There's a lot of media out there. Um, Duke, as you know, is basically on par Ivy League education, and like I said, over the years, I've never been a Duke fan per se. They've had some really good ball players. I saw Bobby Hurley from Jersey City, and when I was you know in Jersey City. And he played at St. Anthony's. His father coached there. And guys on my block played at uh, St. Anthony's. And I went to a game where he played North Birkin High School. Um, someone I know, their nephew played at North Birkin. St. Anthony's had a stacked team. He had Bobby Hurley, Terry DeHair, Jerry Walker, uh, Roderick Rhodes. Uh, who else was on there? They had a stacked, stacked team. And the majority on, on that team of 13 people, I heard 11 people got scholarships to go to college. The guys that couldn't start could start any other team in that New York metropolitan area at the time. So uh, Duke's had some good ball players. Johnny Dawkins, I remember seeing him when he came out of uh, from our DC and played at uh, Duke. Who's seen a left-handed guy that could ball like that? Plus, he could dunk. He had mad skills. Unbelievable handle for a left-hander, southpaw. No one knew how to guard him. Plus, he could jump. Phenomenal. Um, like I said, I'm not a big Duke fan, but over the years, they have been winning. Questionable refereeing when they play. Uh, I know some people say that. Uh, I've seen it in the NCAA tournament and other games, but they've had some really good ball players. You know, uh, Grant Hill, like they showed earlier, uh, Trangin Langdon. Who else? They had some really good shooters, and they could play defense. And then all of a sudden, you know, when the NCAA said that, uh, no, the NBA said, listen, kids got to go to college for one year. And Duke said, listen, I can't keep him here for four years. Let's do Gusco. Let's roll like everybody else. Come in here and play for a year. I'll just circulate and get bought the four and the five-star ball players to come in here. Because I know that, guess what? They're not going to stay here four years. They're only going to stay here a year. And let's keep recruiting. Let's get let's go to those camps. Let's go to the AAU circuit. Find those ball players that have the grades number one to get into Duke. Like I said, that's almost Ivy League education in there because NBA commissioner Adam Silver went to school there. All right. It's not a I've been down there. It's it's a nice school. Okay. Majority of the people that go there from the Northeast. So they got all that money and power down. Plus they have a good a very good lacrosse team too. So, but Duke has always maintained that era in basketball. Like I said, Shashevsky's been there 42 years. And I remember a cat that played there back in the seventies, Gene Banks. He hardly got any love. The guy was a ball. He was all American. Mike Jeminski was on that team. They went to the final four in 70, 78 and played Kentucky, you know, Rick Roby, um, Who's the other guy they had on there? I can't think of him. I think Kyle Macy was on that team. They had another cat on there. He was 6'4", small forward. Man, he could shoot the ball. I can't think of him top of my head. 
But yeah, Kentucky blew out Duke that year, but Gene Banks was a star, but he wasn't getting that love. But yeah, so when Shashevsky came in there, it's basically he just cleaned house that was in there and said, listen, I'm coming in for 42 years. He's been, I think he's had like one or two losing seasons, 12 Final Fours, five NCAA titles, a bunch of ACC uh, championships, uh, conference championships. And I hate to say this, a lot of these guys graduate on time. All right. So, so I hope everyone enjoys themselves today. Uh, I hope that we can get together again next week. We will get together next Saturday. We're going to go back to our regular time at 1 o'clock. And I hope everyone is enjoying today's day. I don't know what part of the country you are, but I'm here in Maryland. It's about, it's 54 degrees here. And I'm going to barbecue today. Uh, if anybody has suggestions, I've done briskets, uh, some sirloins, you know, your typical burgers and hot dogs. And then I do a beer can chicken. That's phenomenal. So if you have any suggestions, send me an email. I enjoy hearing from people. And, you know, I like to do barbecue in the summertime. Hopefully we could do a barbecue, uh, do a podcast while I'm outside doing a barbecuing. And then uh, we could talk to my friends and everybody and we could take it from there. So, all right. So I'm going to end the show at this note. And first and foremost, before I go, I want to send a prayer to not so much a prayer, but just think of the people that in, uh, and in Ukraine right now, they are being devastated by the onslaught of snipers and artillery from the Russian government. Please sit. I mean, I've seen the children die and people just getting blown up in buildings. It's really sad. But I just want everyone to know that please, and you get in your time, just say a prayer. For the people of Ukraine, they are being being hit with onslaught of bombs and everything else. And like I said, we don't we want one be in that situation. And I'm hoping that they can have a resolve through this war, whatever you want to call it. It's just aggressiveness by Putin. But I just hope everybody can come out of this so that people can go back to their homes. Some of them might be some of them destroyed, but I'm praying that everything works out. So. Say a prayer for the people of Ukraine. I'm going to leave the show at this note. Everyone, please stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Take care and enjoy yourself.